Hello and welcome to the Logcast. I'm your host Kev Rose, and joining me today is um, Mucus Face David Jones. I sound really David. <laughs> you, you sound terrible. Yes. Um, I I'm just a ball of mucus and coughing right now, but I, I'm here. Mm. Well, Weren't you really sick like three weeks ago? Yeah, I know. I'm very upset about it. <laughs> It's not quite as bad as it was before because I actually can like sit up without feeling like crap. So it's mainly now just my voice is gone and I'm constantly just hacking up gross gunk. So yeah, but I got sick a couple weeks back. My wife got sick. Then we got better. Then everyone at my wife's office got sick. She got sick and then I got sick again. So, All right. yeah, uh, I'm a little upset with that. <laughs> I'm like, come on. So I, why, I just got why, better. I don't know. I just, I guess you've got quite a bad immune system as well. Yeah. This is why everyone needs to have sick days. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone, because this type of thing just like festers in offices and, you mm. know. And neither me or my wife get paid sick days at our places of employment, so those places are even worse because no one calls in sick. Because everyone needs the money. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> like, the way it works in my job is, like, uh, I can have up to two weeks off with full pay for when I'm sick, and then after that it goes to, like, 40% pay per per day. So, like, even if you've had more than two weeks off in a year, you still get something. Yeah, well, this is America, and we hate workers here. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. But it's just, to me, it's such a stupid system, because, like, by discouraging people from taking time off sick, like you said, you're just, you're just creating more of a... You, like a more disgusting environment in the workplace, thereby getting more workers sick, and ultimately it leads to a lack of productivity because you're all going to be getting each other sick all the time. <laughs> right, and you know, eventually people are people get really sick. They'll just take the time off and you know take the financial hit. So it, it makes more sense to like, hey, let pay the guy to stay home, and then not have everyone else get sick in the office. But. <laughs> I will say, though, the one good thing about you being sick is you sound like a really sexy southerner. <laughs> a southerner? Okay. Yeah, you sound kind of like, oh, man, I'm, I'm really sick, and I, I hate, uh, I don't know, I'm not, I was going to say something racist, but then I thought that's... <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's not been a super hot, week for news but um there's been a few bits and bobs that have come out this week uh i guess like the first thing we should talk about is after what seven weeks i think the sea of thieves contest has finally closed yes it it, it is closed and soon we will know if we any of us are lucky enough (laughs) go to rare yeah i mean the original plan was this week we're going to talk about like all four staff entries and then sort of a brief talk about the other entries. But uh, I think because they haven't picked the winners yet, when they eventually do pick the winners, we're going to be wanted to talk about that anyway. So I think we've kind of like held off for another week or two because Rare did say it would take up to two weeks for the winners to be announced. Mm-hmm. So possibly next weekend, maybe even the week after it'll end up being. 
Right, yeah. So, but, but of course, if any one of us wins, we'll have to do like a short notice mini episode. <laughs> I think we'll be so excited. We're like, yay, we're going to Rare. <laughs> and hopefully if I win, I will not sound like this then. Well, you know, like uh, Leah or Emma will listen to this episode. They'll hear you and they'll be like, shit, we're not having that guy here. Get us all sick. <laughs> no, come on. I'll be better by then. And then I can, you know, pick something up in the UK that I haven't exposed to yet and get really sick over there. So it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you know, before I talk about the news, sorry, I've jumped over myself. We'll talk a little bit about our weeks. I know you don't want to rattle on too long with your poorly voice, but... I want to talk about me for a while. so uh, That's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> have you been playing many games this week? Um, what have I been playing? A few things off and on. I don't think I've really stuck time into anything. I got really addicted to... Um, this is really stupid. Candy Crush. No, no. Uh, not quite oh. that stupid. Um, <gasps> Battlefront uh, Base Command. It's a it's a little game on like the mobile app. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why it's so addicting, but I started just I just was like playing it for like hours, like a couple of days ago. <laughs> well, by their very nature, mobile games are designed to addict. Like that's the whole point, right. you know. More so than console games, you know, mobile games are meant to kind of suck your time and usually your money. I mean, is this a pay and play app or is it like free? To oh play? yeah, there's no well, free- sort of free to play because it, it's sort of. It's a companion app to Battlefront, so to get the best cards in the game, you have to, you know, play Battlefront a bunch. Oh, okay. So, like, well, the more you play Battlefront, the more stuff you unlock in the companion app, and the more cards you get. Oh, fair so. enough. I mean, that's that's okay. It's That's slightly less scummy than, you know, uh, you've got five lives, which are easily lost, and then you got to pay, like, two bucks for another five lives, and... <laughs> Right, no. I, see, I can't even get addicted to that stuff because it makes me so mad. So a game like this, though, as long as I have... It makes... I, there's no cutoff to, for really me to stop playing. Except that, mm. you know, when it gets too hard that I, you know, need to play Battlefront some more to unlock some more stuff. When you say it gets too hard, you're talking about the game, right? Right, yes, the game. Okay. I mean, that's exactly okay. I just thought you had a weird link between <laughs> sexual promiscuity and Star Wars video games. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not a link. <laughs> but no, not in this case. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, anything else, or has it just been that? Um, uh, what else have I been playing? I think I played a little bit of Battlefront proper. Uh, other than that, I really didn't play that much. Um, I know there was an Xbox game I was playing, but I can't think. Something old. <laughs> but my brain is like clouded now for some reason uh, probably because you're really yeah. ill oh I'll play a little bit more of Killer oh Killer Instinct because uh, another character dropped for Killer Instinct I was playing that who was that? Uh, the Mira vampire chick okay yeah, I thought all the characters drop at once with the new season uh, or did they... they did half and half this, they did four of them so you got half of it and then the other ones are going to drop throughout the year okay. so now they got okay. five of them out so there's still three more and we already know from the oh, leak okay. that one's going to be General Ram from Gears of War, and then two um, unknown ones. And that that's cool. Yeah, so, and it actually brings me to another game I was playing that I just remembered as uh, Gears of War Two because I actually have both Gears Two and Three from uh, Games mm-hmm. with Gold, and I have never played them, so I was playing through that a little <laughs> bit. 
Yeah, I really should give Gears a chance. I mean, the remastered edition of Gears 1 is only like nine bucks now in really? the UK. It's gone nah. really cheap. So um, I was first thinking of picking that. Like, yeah, I, see, I started it years ago and I just couldn't get into it. I found it too repetitive. But um, I'll give it another chance. Yeah. I've been told it's a lot more fun on co-op. So maybe if I pick up Gears, like me and you could play through it at some point. I don't have the first one, though. <laughs> what? Not the original nor the remaster. I had a a disc that I no longer have of the original, and I don't. Uh, it was on Games of Gold last year. Oh, was it? I must. Uh, I must have. Or it might have been 2014. I know it's definitely on Games of Gold because I actually got it. So I've got. I have got that version. Uh, I just okay. I, when the remastered version is like only ten bucks, I may as well buy that. Right. Uh, well, I'll check up the price of the remastered because if you want to co op with it, I can because I did enjoy the first one yeah, quite a bit. Cool. Uh, second, I've played. I have both the second and third. I haven't completed each one, but I've played a little bit, and I'm not mm-hmm. nearly as impressed with them. Because you can tell that oh, this is a popular big budget franchise now, so now we're going to get that much more linear and bombastic and have controlled things exploding <laughs> constantly. Yeah, they have to make the appeal more and more broad. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like with Dead Space. I mean, I can't judge fully, but I thought the original Dead Space was one of the best games of the last generation. And then I started Part 2 and I just couldn't get into it. I found it too action-packed. Like, mm-hmm. And then the third one, I didn't even pick up. It just looked so boring. Yeah, I heard the third I, one was like just like riddled with like microtransactions and shit. Oh, God. Yeah. The first Dead Space, I actually... I didn't, I didn't play it this week, but I was playing it a little bit last week until I got like completely stuck. So I think I might have screwed myself because I can't find any health. And, and I'm like surrounded by like monsters. Well, it's not that hard a game. Are you on like hard mode or something? Uh, no, I just think I've just... I think I played it poorly at the when I first started playing it. Not realizing that this was basically going to be Resident Evil in space, and that I couldn't just get. Oh yeah, that. yeah, it is. It's 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 Resident Evil in space. Yeah, so now I'm just like, and that's why I like, like it path. so much. It didn't <laughs> see. It didn't take the Resident <coughs> Evil five and onwards option where health and ammo become less and less important. Um, you know, I, I like that Dead Space has a kind of. It, it's got teeth to it. It's more like. It's kind of like a. A mashup between traditional Resident Evil and new Resident Evil, but in space. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I couldn't get into the sequels. So yeah, there's a lot of gen. Sorry, a lot of franchises actually that started last gen that seemed to get worse as they went on. You know, it's it's weird. It's like they're they're the, they're the better game when they're like the slight the lower budget. No one knows if it's going to be a hit. Then as soon as it becomes a hit, it's just like, let's throw all the money at it, and somehow it's terrible. Yeah. Well, like I say, it's just the more popular something is, the more broad it has to become, until it gets to a point where the popularity wanes, and then they'll try and win back the core audience. Right. And, uh, oh, well. But a trilogy that I do think holds up well, that I've been playing through this week, Uncharted. I, uh, I got the remastered version for the PS4. Oh, I need to pick that up. Maybe I'll it's pick really good. Maybe I'll pick it up after I beat four because I want to replay that trilogy again with like that frame rate and resolution. Yeah, I don't know why you didn't get it. A few, we were talking about it a few weeks ago, and you said 
you thought you'd left it too late to play it through before part four. But I played through one and two in like three days. They're not long games. Once you know, I mean, you, you'll probably remember roughly how to get through most of the major set pieces. Right. Like, it, it, I think they're only really difficult the first time you play and you have to get to grips with the system and the way it works. But Yeah, there's a couple areas that, where it's just like the enemies keep respawning that get kind of annoying. Because it's like... Uh, not in Uncharted. There's no... The, the... Maybe that was in 3. I can't remember. One of them. Oh, one of them there was. Yeah. When I was like, oh, I killed all the enemies. And then, like, you know, it, like, kind of roll pan to, like, another opening. And then, like, 10 more will come out. <laughs> there's a, I think there's a section in Uncharted 3, actually. Like, now, this is from memory. Because I'm only just... I'm, I'm on the last, like, chapter of Uncharted 2 now. So I haven't got to part 3. But from memory, I think there's a section on, like an oil tanker or some kind of shipyard about halfway through Uncharted 3 where I think you're right it's like infinite respawns so you basically have to like push through the area and I remember spending so long trying to kill every enemy and I just got (laughs) so angry with it yeah I mean there's some other not infinite too but it's just like it sort of gives the false impression that you cleared it and then there's a certain amount of enemy wells you have to clear and then it's good Mm. Plus, there's the other thing where... Now, I don't think Uncharted 1 did this, but Uncharted 2, I've noticed a few areas where... Kind of like The Last of Us, where if you take enemies out stealthily, you clear the area, but if you open fire, then like loads more enemies rush in. Uh, there, so, there might be. I would never notice that because I never clear anything stealthily. I kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was an area like towards the end of Part 2 where... Um, you know, when you're climbing up... You, you, you're in that monastery in the Snowy Mountains... And uh, there was an area with, like, four guys with rocket launchers. And I kept opening fire, and then, like, eight more would join them. And in the end, I just thought, fuck it, I'll try and take them out with stealth. And I took a few of them out, and then, like, that was it. It was, like, area cleared. I just carried on <laughs> to the next part. So Nice. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying I mean, Uncharted 1's still a little bit rough around the edges, but 60 frames per second, 1080p, does make all the difference. And the... Um, the targeting's been improved. The 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 input and the 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 what it's it's hard to describe really. Being a, an idiot as I am, but there's something about the way the targeting handles. It's more similar to part two and three, whereas the original was a bit more loose. It was and it was there was quite a narrow hitbox. It was quite unforgiving, but they've kind of made it more similar to the sequels now. Yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that they did that. That they kind of. Tried to polish up the first one, especially to make it feel and gameplay more like the other two, so it felt like a consistent trilogy. Yeah, there's a there's a video online actually, uh, a comparison video which gives you a really good, Im- shows you just how far they went with it, and it's it's quite impressive. Uh, so, but yeah, no, I, I do like those games, and man, Part Four looks amazing. I've been watching more and more gameplay trailers. I, I'm trying to be a, like sort of keep myself from it a little bit because I don't <laughs> want to be spoiled. Especially now that there's a bunch of copies out in the wild, so there's game spoilers floating around internet forums for like the whole thing. Well, did you did you hear about the heist? Yeah, that someone stole a bunch of copies. Yeah, there was apparently a, an ultra violent attack on a truck. Like that's that's really bad, man. Like from I, I didn't actually read the full article because I was in a rush, but I saw it pop up. I'm assuming like the driver got like really beaten up bad. Dang, the guy didn't read the details either. I heard there was a heist. I didn't realize anyone got hurt. Yeah, like the, the the headline was ultra violent attack. 
people so, are serious I mean, about it sounds their like maybe weapons were involved mm. if it was where was it do you know it was in america because i know this there was a similar thing with splatoon but that was in the uk but yeah this one was somewhere in, in america i don't know where yeah, i have to look in the details i wonder if they just like hijacked a truck or something but uh, no I've been trying to keep fairly spoiler free but I watched there's a gameplay video of a level in the savannah and it man it looks incredible like you're driving like I didn't even know until yesterday that you you drive vehicles in the game right yeah I did did watch an IGN video with that when they have the little Mm. uh, uh, what do you call that thing you hook up to the the little hook on the front of the car that you can like attach to things and like pull things and stuff. What well, a hook! Yeah, there's a what? name for there's an actual better name than a hook for it that they used, I think. But a winch. A winch. There you go. Winch. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I know all about cars. I'm a man. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, there was um, yeah, a video of them driving like a four by four through the savannah and it looks so incredible I think this is the best looking game on the PS4 from what I've yeah, seen no, so for real one of the best I've probably seen period Like not even... and the facial detail on like Nate and Sully compared to the original it's just it's so it's weird when Uncharted 1 came out I thought like shit we've hit a peak graphics can't get better but <laughs> just look at part 4 it looks phenomenal yeah phenomenal right. like the artists in Naughty Dog are just so incredible like you can really tell that they don't take shortcuts like what I said is that they they still do like everything by hand they don't just like you know take pictures of shit and like slap that texture on a bunch of things like they Mm. they make all the textures by hand and do all the mocap and all the animation that they can I think for a while they weren't even doing mocap for a lot of things I think I'm pretty sure they do it now for everything oh yeah they do now yeah yeah. yeah. well they did it with uh, Last of Us and Uncharted 4 I don't know if they did with Uncharted two and three, but yeah, yeah, it's it's. I I just I've got so much respect for that studio, and I also think that they, you know, they've confirmed this is going to be the last Uncharted. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a closed end into the franchise. I think that shows a lot of integrity, like that they're not going to milk it for another three games. Right. Yeah, I I think I felt like probably three would have been enough, but then I didn't really like. I didn't feel like three was a good closer to the series even though I think they kind of wanted it to be, so I'm hoping 4 will sort of just be that kind of complete closure that the third one lacked. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at the development team, it's not too dissimilar. I suppose after 90 minutes, we can finally link this episode into Rare. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too dissimilar to the DKC story, where, like, you know, the team who did Uncharted 1 and 2, they then went off to do The Last of Us, whilst a new team did Uncharted 3. Mm -hmm. So... It's kind of the same as DKC, where, you know, they, they did, you know, Greg's team did DKC 1 and 2, and then a few veterans and a bunch of new people did part 3, whilst the first team went off to make Banjo. So it's kind of the same yeah. thing. I think probably the biggest difference here is that Amy Henning, the main sort of writer, creative input of Uncharted, did work on 3. And now she yeah. left the company, and then Neil Druckmann from The Last of Us is sort of, I think, taking her spot. But then the other people are all from the Uncharted 1 and 2 team. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I think um, 
Uh, like, I wasn't really that bothered about Uncharted 4 when it was first announced. Like, I, I knew I'd play it because I do like the series, but the more I see of it and the fact that they've confirmed this is the conclusion of the franchise, I, I just, I've got so much respect in this day and age for them not milking it with endless sequels and spin offs. Um, it's a little, it's, it's a shame we didn't get an Uncharted Kart Racer to continue there. Uncarted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you did you hear about the Easter egg in it yet? I won't spoil it if you haven't heard because I was spoiled on this. No. Okay. I won't spoil it for you then. <laughs> okay. Maybe tell me off air. I'm you. not. If it it's not a story spoiler, is it? Um, I don't think so. I saw it in a NeoGaf thread and I clicked it even though it was a spoiler. There's a ton of other things that were blacked out. You know how to do the spoiler tags that I didn't click on, but I saw the picture that was the title of the in the article. Okay, well, yeah, tell me off okay. there, because I, I don't mind. If it's not a major story spoiler, if it's just an Easter egg, I wouldn't mind knowing, but we don't want to spoil the viewers at home. So, uh, But yeah, aside from Uncharted, I suppose the other big event this week was um, I watched the Captain America trilogy, uh, culminating, obviously, in Civil War at midnight on release day. And man, it I tell you what, I don't want to judge it too soon. I mean, I've already seen it twice, but... I think not only not only is it the best MCU film, I think it might be my favourite traditional blockbuster of this millennium. Hmm. Well, that's saying a lot. There's been quite a lot of them. Yeah, like, I'm I'm it, excited it, for it. That's for sure. Like, well, is there anything you can say is, about it without spoiling it? Then why is it so good? I'm, I'm curious. I'll say right. Okay, I'll try and give a non-spoiler review. Basically, one thing I was really worried about was this was going to be Avengers 2.5. And I, you know, I thought it was a bit unfair to Chris Evans that he wasn't getting a third dedicated film for himself. I thought the Captain America title wasn't doing it. I, you know, from the trailers, it makes it just look like Avengers without Hulk and Thor. Right. But it really is through and through a true Captain America film. Okay. And the amazing thing is, Robert Downey Jr. gets the best material he's ever had from Marvel, and he gives the performance of his career. Yet he doesn't steal the show from Cap. That's and it's so well balanced and so well thought out. It truly is Captain America three, which I really didn't think it would be going in. Um, but it, it, it and you know a lot of people said they should have called it Captain America versus Iron Man, and the only reason they didn't do that was because it would look like it was copying, you know, Warner too much right. with Batman v Superman. Uh, but no, this really is the Captain America. Yeah excuse me, Captain America sequel. And I'll tell you what, surprisingly, watching them back-to-back as a trilogy, it flowed perfectly, even without watching the, the Avengers films in between. Really? It really works as a trilogy. And that was even more surprising to me, because I think the first Avenger and Winter Soldier don't flow too well back-to-back. But for some reason, watching all three, it, it kind of... It, it, retroactively ties them all together in a really beautiful way. See, yeah, I, I've been hearing people say stuff like that, how it's a great trilogy, and all I thought was like, how can it be a trilogy? Because you would need to see half the other movies to understand it. But... No, it's... <laughs> I mean, obviously it helps that, you know, we've all seen Iron Man and Avengers and stuff. That does help. But the way it's structured and the way it's scripted, it invites viewers who don't know the Avengers lore invites them into that world and explains it in a way which isn't patronising to people who are super into the franchise as a whole. Mm. So it's just so well done. I've never seen a shared universe film done so well. And the way they introduce all the other characters, because, you know, like the big battle with 
you know, basically every Avenger on Earth at the moment. The big battle's like 12 characters, yet it still feels organic and natural the way they're introduced one by one. And uh, Spider-Man's origin story is handled perfectly. It's really well done. I didn't even know if they were going to bother, but they actually give him a really good origin Hmm. in a way that... You know, like the Amazing Spider-Man really fell flat because it felt like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man again, but with a different cast. Right. Yeah, this doesn't do it. It does things in a different way, but in a really good way. And already, I think... um, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland have the most amazing chemistry. Because I don't know if you know, Iron Man's in the new Spider-Man film as well. I've heard rumors about that. That's pretty cool. Like, I'm honestly kind of surprised there's that much Spider-Man. I honestly thought he would show up at the end for, like, the big battle, and that would be it. That they wouldn't even, like, explain who he was, because, oh... Yeah, no, they they really go into it. Like, I don't want to give it away, because it was such a surprise the way they did it, but... I'd say Spider-Man, he's got about 20 minutes screen time. He's got more screen time than Ant-Man, who's already, you know, established. Uh, cool. Although Ant-Man, don't, not to take away, Ant-Man gets some great scenes as well. Um, uh, trying to think. I think... Um, oh, and Black Panther as well. He gets his origin story in this film, and that it's done really well, really naturally. fits in with the plot. And I was talking to... Uh, Alistair from DK Vine about this a couple of days ago, and we both agreed what's what's so brilliant is they don't have a traditional comic book villain. Like, they've got... Well, the promotional material doesn't even show the villain off at all. It just pushes the Civil War angle. But no, there is a villain who's kind of pulling the strings, but it's not for a ha-ha-ha, I'm-going-to-take-over-the-world reason. It's a much more personal and grounded story, and it... The way it comes together at the end, it's just... I didn't see it coming, and it's its just amazing. I'm, you really need to see this movie, even if you're not super into the <laughs> franchise. No, like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a fan of them, and I see them all, but it's like... Like, I just don't get, like, this big surge of excitement. Maybe it's because there's so many of them that come out so frequently. You know, I, oh, I've seen every one, though, and I will see this one. Um yeah, but yeah, if it's as good as you say, maybe this will be one I see in theaters because I don't usually see every Marvel movie in theaters. Yeah, well, this yeah, I really recommend seeing this in theaters. I mean, I'd even say watch First Avenger and Winter Soldier again first, but you don't have to. But um, it's been a while well, since I've seen those. I've only seen each one of those once. Yeah, watch them again, man. Like I didn't really like the First Avenger that much, but rewatching it the other day, I think I've. I've reevaluated a bit. It's not the best film, but it's a, it's a decent origin story. And um, also, again, it's hard to say this without spoiling anything, but they really, really changed the status quo in a way they can't go back on, <coughs> which I didn't I didn't expect. Like, you know, these kind of things where it's like good guy versus good guy. You, you're like, okay. They'll fight it out, and then in the end, everyone will be friends, and it'll be back to normal. Right. Now, they really change up the status quo in a way that I'm confused how the Avengers 3 can even happen. I mean, obviously, we know it is happening, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of character development, and they take some of these characters into really dark places you wouldn't have expected. No. Like, I'm not surprised, because I feel like this could be the start of how they eventually phase out Iron Man. Just because I don't think that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be doing this that much longer. 
Yeah, I think I think Avengers three will be his last film. Mm-hmm. Like I'm surprised he's doing that much. A lot of people were thinking that Civil War is going to be his last one. So, well, weirdly now he's doing more films this phase than ever before. <laughs> he's in a movie every year because like obviously he's just done Civil War. The next year he's Spider Man Homecoming. The year after Avengers three part one, and the year after that Avengers three part two. So for the first time, he's actually in a film every year of this current phase. Nice. So, but no, I think they've learned from their mistakes with phase two, where it's weird with phase two. I think some of the individual films weren't, um, were, were possibly the best like guardians of the galaxy and winter soldier were among the best Marvel films, but as a, as a continuous story, it didn't hold together too well. Like, you know, with phase one, it really felt like they were building towards the Avengers, whereas Phase two, it was like random transition stories that didn't really link into. Yeah, each Guardians other. of the Galaxy had like nothing to do with the other movies. <laughs> I don't really mind that. I actually kind of wished that they had kept Guardians of the Galaxy as its own thing and not tried to well, it. Well, I mean, no, to be fair, Guardians of the Galaxy did have a big focus on the Infinity Stones, and we already know the Guardians are going to be in Avengers three, so they have formed a link. But I didn't mind that it still felt like a totally separate thing. Like you could, you could take someone to see Guardians who knew nothing about the MCU, and they might not even realize it's part of the same right, series. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I kind which of, is, I kind of like that about it. That's kind which, of what I was saying. Which, yeah, that's that's cool. But what I mean is, as a whole, like stuff like Iron Man three and Thor two and Winter Soldier. It was only really Winter Soldier that felt like it was building towards anything, whereas the rest. And like Avengers two, just it felt like it could have taken place at any time. Um, <clears throat> but no, with with this movie, it feels like there's a there's a big plan in place, and I understand now why this was the first movie of the current phase. And again, we'll talk about this after you've seen it. But if you look ahead at the slate of films and the order they're coming out, you can tell there's a very clear plan in place. So, but again. That's it now. I'm going to shut up until you finish. All <laughs> right. Let's check in with the MCU. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hopefully you guys got that stuff. Yeah, otherwise we've just lost most of our <laughs> Now we'll talk about Star Wars. No. <laughs> as much as oh. I love to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm super into Star Wars. I'm really looking forward to Rogue One, but I just can't. I just think episode 7 could have been so much better I know you love it and I do think it's a good film I just think it's not as good as it could have been and that's what pisses yeah. me off are you gonna like, are you gonna pick up the uh, Bloodline book coming out uh, next week which one's that what's it about um, it's six years before The Force Awakens uh, Ryan Johnson actually helped with some of the plot elements and it's basically gonna be all the politics stuff dealing with the formation of the resistance it's gonna send her around Leia and sort of like New Republic First Order Resistance, how they all relate to each other and how it became as it was in The Force Awakens. Okay, well that sounds like the exact kind of stuff I was pissed off. Yeah, so it sounds like it's basically all that stuff that we were kind of wondering a little bit about after seeing The Force Awakens. Yeah, okay, I might pick that up. It's been a while since I got stars. Yeah, and it's by um, the the, the girl who wrote it. It's called uh, Claudia Gray. And she wrote one previous uh, Star Wars book that was really, really good. So I'm really excited for this one because she's a what did she write? Uh, Lost Stars. 
it's kind of a little bit of a young adult novel, but at the same time, it was really good. It was all about basically an average person in the rebellion and an average person in the empire, and it tells like everything from like a new hope up to the battle of Jakku through these two people's eyes that are like oh, normal people. Right. Yeah, it was really interesting. I'll have to check that out. Um, talking about sci-fi, did you see the new uh, Doctor Who minisode? Uh, there was a minisode? Yeah, last week. Didn't you see it? It was like a three-minute episode. Oh, you, you mean that little thing that announced the companion? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I didn't realize that was considered a full episode. I thought I didn't even think... I thought it was just, like, nothing that was even, like, relevant to the canon. I thought it was just, like, a little silly thing to introduce the character. Uh, well, this is where the confusion comes in, like, various official sources. Some are saying it's a mini-sode, and some are saying it's a clip from a future episode. Mm. So, but the thing is, it was kind of cobbled together with some old footage. So I'm wondering if, like, maybe it's an excerpt from a future script, and, like, it'll actually be reshot for the actual episode. Like, it does kind of seem like they rushed it out just to announce the companion before filming starts next week. Yes. So, but <clears throat> no, I thought it was all right. Um, I the di- I think the actress seems really good, but the the dialogue was a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It felt like leftover puns from Clara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to feel about her yet. It's hard to really. I mean, I I, I honestly I would rather they introduce her in the show itself because now she's just yeah. a person with like no backstory and I don't really understand who she is or why I should like her. She's just a person yeah. next to the doctor, you know, spouting off one-liners. So that's So I don't know. I I'm kind of I'm withholding judgment on her. Like my first impression wasn't bad, but it really wasn't like this is going to be one of my favorite companions ever either. Mm. It was sort of like I'm, assume, I'm assuming this year's Christmas special will be her introduction mm-hmm. story. Uh, which will be cool, but I like that it seems like she's uh, not a modern companion. It seems like she's from the eighties or something, mm-hmm. based on her dress and uh, and that Back to the Future line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, I'm guessing she's period from the eighties, maybe the early nineties. So that that might be kind of interesting too, because you know, even if she's from the eighties, you know they're gonna spend a lot of time in contemporary London. So they could get, yeah. like, a lot of humor with that with her sort of discovering the modern world and stuff. Yeah, just, like, simple stuff we take for granted, mm-hmm. like, you know, internet, tablet, phones. Right. Yeah, she's like, that to her will be new. So that's kind of cool. And maybe we'll also have some stories set in her period, like some 80s and 90s stuff. Yeah, it could, it could, it could actually be a, a very interesting uh, direction. Anywho, now, now that we've talked about the Marvel, Star Wars, and, and Doctor Who, we probably should actually talk about um, what our podcast's about. Maybe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's quickly mention the Perfect Dark video. First. Oh yeah, there was a Perfect Dark video. It's uh, five things you didn't know about Perfect Dark, and it's really good, and you should watch it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. What, what does it cover? Um, how they got like the faces... How they got like the voices, um, the 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 story behind uh, the cheese, which um, I don't think was known before. Was there ever a story be- behind the cheese that I? I just thought it was a random thing, but yeah, it is a story. It kind of was. Well, I guess um, I can't remember the lady's name, but uh, 
basically it was like a conversation with two of the developers one of them was a level developer i don't remember what the uh woman was but she she i think she saw something he was modeling she thought it looked like a block of cheese and she made a joke about it and so then he went back through every level and just put a piece of cheese in it as like a joke it was something like okay that. yeah <laughs> all right i thought maybe it was Oh, right, so maybe he was, like, modeling, like, a, a doorstop or something? I think it was something on, like, the president's desk, like, the Air Force level or something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and oh, apparently, right. you might have already known this, but, um, like, the face of the president is supposedly someone who worked on Babylon 5, I guess? Really? Yeah. It had some, yeah, I don't know who it was, but you have to watch it, because there was some connection. Babylon 5 was the best show I've ever seen, <laughs> So I got there's some Babylon Five connection with like that. Oh, that that's amazing! Yeah. I'll have to really yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch that video after. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it you who hasn't seen Babylon Five? I have not. Oh man, I tell you what, you're a stupid bastard. I would <laughs> just, watch it if it was on any of the streaming services I pay for. Just, just bloody torrent it. There's, like a, there's a pack. There's a pack of every episode, every spin-off, and every TV movie, and it's it's like. You know, just one big pack. It's heavily seeded. So just just get it, man. It's so fucking good. It's really just... Yeah. Oh, it, it is the Donkey Kong Country 2 of TV shows. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah, maybe I will when I need a new show to marathon. <laughs> yeah, because like, it was only like last week. You were... Was it a couple of weeks ago? You mentioned a show you just watched. And you were like, oh, I really wanted to binge watch a show. Yeah, binge watch the best show ever. Yeah. I, I just started True Detective now, so I'm going through that. Oh, I, I started that a couple of years ago, but the, the the download... I shouldn't really keep mentioning all this, but yeah, the download I had was like really low res. Um, uh, I don't know why, because it was like 500 meg per episode, but it was like sub-SD, so I just couldn't enjoy it, and I just never bothered downloading a high-def rip. Yeah, I've been... So, I because of uh because i'm a big game of thrones fan i just got um an hbo now subscription which is basically just paying for hbo so i get their entire back catalog i've been watching it off there i got 30 days free i don't know if that's something you can get in the uk but i very much doubt (laughs) it just came to xbox like uh like last week i'll check it out later but i'm pretty sure they would because like over here all the HBO shows, well, most of the big ones are shown on, like, Sky. Uh, so, because <clears throat> of licensing, I'm guessing. Yeah, because I think people in Canada don't even have HBO now. And they're, like, right over the border. So, yeah. But. Uh, that's another show I've got to catch up on, Game of Thrones. I've only seen, like, half a season Oh, one. dear God, what's wrong with you? You need to catch up on that. It's, like, the best. Oh, says the man who's there watching. <laughs> that, to me, Game of Thrones is the DK. Donkey Kong or DKC trilogy of television there you go really is it that good yeah it's probably my favorite maybe my favorite show of all time maybe no. there's a few of them up See, there, it's, it's really hard for me to pick like you know you've got like uh, I'd say I mean I'll rattle them off quick and then we'll jump into the main feature but like off the top of my head Doctor Who Twin Peaks Babylon 5 Lost Breaking Bad uh Maybe the modern Battlestar Galactica, although oh, that did get cool. a little bumpy later on. Oh, I always forgot about Battlestar. That's another good one. What about Firefly? Yeah. Don't forget Firefly. Uh, I've, I've tried watching that like three times. I just can't get into really? it. Like, oh. no, like it's good, but to me, it just feels like 
it's not as good as Buffy or Angel. Really? And like, because it ended so... Yeah, Buffy, that's another show I should have mentioned. Like, Buffy was like so ahead of its time and well done. That, like Firefly just feels like it's like... See, I, I feel the opposite. I tried to watch Buffy and I was like, oh, this is just not Firefly, but not as good. At least as far as like the dialogue and writing is. Well, how far did you get? Because like the first season of Buffy is really bad. I can't. Like, I haven't made it past the first season yet. I've tried a couple. Oh times yeah, well the first season, like it's it's well known. Like the first season is, a, it's a really hard wall to get over. But like once you get sort of mid season two, it just picks up and. Okay, I mean, if you'll give it a shot, just it's just the concept isn't like super appealing to me. I guess. I think maybe I that think might it's... be might be partially to to how much vampires have been bastardized in the modern media. But it's just like vampire stuff isn't that cool to me, I guess. I think it's the best. Well, well, the thing is, the brilliance of Buffy is like any supernatural demon or monster essentially can come through because of the Hellmouth plot device. It's like they can basically do any kind of supernatural story they want. And, you know, it's not just vampires. In fact, later on, like vampires are pretty background. They become more of a joke. Like, um,. You know, you've got like parallel worlds and people being split into two, and like you know the musical episode and the silence episode, and like I mean, there's one episode which is just about a school shooting. There's like no supernatural elements. It's just a guy who takes a sniper to a roof, and but it's it subverts the premise. And yeah, yeah, I'm just you know we're rattling on and on about pop culture this week, so I'm gonna shut. <laughs> You give Buffy a shot, and I'll give Firefly a shot. All right. Even okay. though mine's a much bigger commitment with yours. With yeah. 144 episodes instead of 12 episodes in a movie. Right. <laughs> I've got Firefly on Blu-ray. I've just I've never made it past the pilot. So, I, yeah, I should watch it. It's good to Okay. Say. Okay, cool. So we move on to the main feature before we go on to more tangents about pop culture. Yes, yes, um, poor, poor person who didn't want to speak for more than an hour. Let's move on. <laughs> You're killing okay. me here. Okay, so. Right. <coughs> the big... Bless you. Okay, so the feature this week, it's kind of multiple things which are all linked into each other. I guess first to get the elephant in the room out of the way. Uh, Nintendo, well, go on, you talk about it, because I'm um, so angry I can't even say the words. Nintendo has no games. <laughs> I have no fucking games. Uh, so basically, this came out of a shareholders meeting this week, that uh, Nintendo are launching the NX in March 2017, and because of that, Zelda has been delayed until next March, so it can launch on both systems. Um, see, um, according to um, I think it was an article on Kotaku, it sounded like it more more the other way around. Like it sounded like the NX was probably close to ready, and that the reason they delayed it to to March was because they wanted there to be games. Right. Like it's Are like, you sure? Like, okay, but my question is, why would you delay a hardware launch just because of one game? Like, I don't think it was just Zelda. I think it's bigger than that. It's because both the 3DS and the Wii U were heavily criticized for having like nothing at launch. I think they didn't want that to happen again. I mean, if you think about like 
with, every, with all the developers are saying is that no one has dev kits yet because they're trying to keep things such a secret. I feel like they've basically shot themselves in the foot because no one's developing games for it except for them. And Nintendo's terrible at releasing games on time, so now they've sort of entered a situation where they don't have anything to launch with it this year. Yeah, but like, even if they just launched it in November with like, you know, that idea of like Smash and Mario Maker and Splatoon mm-hmm. all being sort of re-released for the NX. Yeah, that would that would be something. Maybe they're just worried about bad press. But they'll be on bad and, press this way too, so I don't know what they're thinking. I guess Retro's project, uh, I mean, we'll get to that after, yeah. but that's probably not going to be ready till next year. And mm-hmm. like, I would have thought the Mario Galaxy team have probably been working on something for a while because their last release was 3D World, like eight, two and a half years ago. Right. I, so I, I they don't... must be working on a new Mario Adventure game. They've they've mm-hmm. probably got a ton of projects. It's just Nintendo's development pipeline is like slowed to a halt. This last generation, they can't release anything on time, and it's starting to get laughable. <laughs> I feel like they just maybe they need to hire some younger people who are more experienced with making modern games. I don't know, but it's like it's like they 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 project it's going to come out at a certain time then they realize they can't do it and delay it five times and it's just it's slightly ridiculous from a company who literally its only purpose is to make video games they have no other purpose unlike Microsoft and Sony and they're gonna go like a year with like releasing nothing practically in 2016 yeah I mean I I suppose the holiday season they've got covered better than last year still because they've got Pokemon coming out Mm -hmm. but that's like you know that's second pie it's not even like they can really be proud of that it's like okay it's an exclusive but it's not like Nintendo homegrown right you know Pokemon's always been kind of on the fringes in a rare like way because of the way the Pokemon company is right yeah they don't have really have ownership of it it's like a joint venture between three different companies yeah, so they're not going to be getting as much profit on that on that as they yeah. would on something like Mario or Zelda. Um, but the fact that this E three they've confirmed the only the only game now is it the only game or the only Wii U game that's going to um, be on the show floor? There's been some um, disagreement about that. I don't think we know for sure. Okay, the well g- we know we know the only Wii U game will be Zelda. They've confirmed that. But I don't know if that means they're not going to bring any 3DS stuff. Or if yeah, I don't know. I think another important thing to remember is they are just talking about the show floor. Like, what's going to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I expect the Direct, uh, the Nintendo Direct, they'll probably show a lot more. Yeah, I uh, like. I think they need to throw us some sort of NX bone. I know they say it's not going to be there. I think fine. Don't bring it to the show. Sure. Don't bring it to the show, but like throw something in for the Direct for damage control. Like, just yeah. so we can be... Like, how do you expect people to be excited about not getting any games for a year because something is coming out next year that we have no idea what it is? Yeah. Show <laughs> the system. Demonstrate it with the new Zelda. Um, like, why don't they have the NX on the show floor with the Zelda demo? Because they, they must, they've got a demo ready because they're going to roll it out on the show floor for the Wii U. Why not just have, like, a prototype NX unit to play it on but surely that would increase high I have no idea maybe they just maybe the NX version is not ready I don't know like 
it just, maybe that maybe actually maybe that's what's caused the Zelda delay because they want a simultaneous release yeah. maybe port on it's the NX is what's added the extra few months they cited but, I think the word they used was for quality reasons right yeah so. for a game that was originally confirmed for this what was it November 2015 yeah it's been delayed four times now like it is it's just like I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in Nintendo's modern development skills because it's like it shouldn't take this long to make a video game <laughs> if you're still running into the quality problems I mean Star Fox Zero was how many times was that delayed and it still came out pretty poorly I mean I haven't played it yet but I've saw no, enough... I, I can't really judge it because I haven't played it like it looks okay but I've heard bad things from like every kind of audience so I know it's not just like you know, one group being biased. Yeah, like everyone said something. Even like more, more people who thought it was better than others, like uh, the completionist on YouTube. Like he really liked the game, but he picked a lot of flaws out. Yeah, and it seems to most all of them stem from the same thing that we've all said was going to be a problem from day one, which was the control scheme. Yeah, exactly. The motion controls is just. It's, everyone knew this was going to be a problem when Miyamoto showed off that crappy little demo, like. Four years ago. And it's still a problem now. Ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, it was E3 2014. Okay, whatever. Yeah, but we all knew that. Like, everyone who plays video games knew that, and they still went forward with this. I don't... Oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean... So, the, the problem I've got is that why don't they just hire more bodies to work on the NX and Zelda to get it ready for this year? Like, they've made so many mistakes. They already missed a holiday period last year. They had no major release last holiday. So, like, they've still got so much bank left over from the success of the Wii, just the hardware alone. They said at the time they had enough money to see them through profit losses for, like, another 20 years why don't they actually take some of this money, invest in, like, say, a hundred more developers, get them all working overtime on Zelda and the NX, and get it out for right. November? I think they like, should... I think they need some more, like, outside Japan studios, like they used to have, too. Yeah, like, why not buy up... Uh, I don't know... I can't actually think of anyone off the top of my head, but yeah, find like a talented studio in the States or, you know, even in the UK or Germany or somewhere, just just find talented studios and bloody buy them. It's what they did with Rare and it yeah. paid off exponentially. I mean, if they hadn't bought Rare when they did, the N64 would have died a lot sooner. I think one of their biggest problems is because they basically haven't seriously changed anything in so long, especially with the GameCube with the Wii, and that they keep the same core group of people, and then all of a sudden they're going through growing pains that everyone else went through ten years ago. Yeah. Like, and if you just get some people who have already been working in the modern game industry, find some people in the West, form a studio, and get get out some games, give them an IP, give them one of your IPs, have them go nuts with it, like Rare did with Donkey Kong Country. Well, the thing is, like, I mean... So many people are quick to criticise Rare for the growing pains they had after the Microsoft acquisition. And I've always said, you know, there's this typical internet hive mind brutality against Rare, like, oh, you know, either 
they all the best people left or Microsoft stifled their creativity. Now, I don't think it's either of those. I think it was simply growing pains because they were bought halfway through a generation right. and it took them like like eight years to catch up. I think that was um, one of the most... I mean, it doesn't seem like as much technology-wise, but I feel like that generation leap between those two seems to have been one of the hardest for a lot of developers to, to go through. Mm. Like, almost everyone suffered through that time, not just Rare. Yeah, but Rare especially because, like I said, you know, they, they got to grips just as they got to grips with the GameCube dev kits. They were bought by Microsoft, right. and they had to get used to the Xbox dev kits. And then, like a year later, they were thrown onto the 360 team. And you know, the, it, it basically it was like you know, it took them so long to catch up. But anyway, what well, the point I was trying to make was people are quick to criticize Rare for the problems they had during those first five or six years of the buyout, but. Nintendo are kind of going through the same thing now like with the advent of the Wii U and like the NX they've had to finally try and catch up you know as much as they always said and Iwata you know bless his soul no, I'm not, I don't want to speak ill of the dead but it was kind of bullshit when he always said oh Nintendo do their own thing we're not interested in competing well I'm sorry if you want to be successful in the video game market you have to at least be comparable to your uh competition you know like you can't just yeah. this is a get this is a broad industry where you're trying to attract a wide audience you can't just appeal to people who want to perpetually replay the same games from the 90s right yeah and it's like people notice people noticed on the wii the graphical differences it's yeah. very noticeable it's less with the wii u and i was kind of I was kind of hoping that the Wii U would do better in that department, but it's still, you know, I think it had a little bit of time before the new consoles hit where people thought, oh, the Wii U's fine, graphically. Yeah. It's like you can't just be a generation behind perpetually. It just no. destroys your image and your brand. <laughs> well, the Wii U, it almost did a Dreamcast, didn't it? Because it kind of like, it came out ahead of the competition. Mm-hmm. But then, unlike the PS2, it didn't have a USP. Okay, the, t- the second screen, it's kind of cool when it's used in a good way, but it's like, you look at the PS2's USP of like, you know, the cheap DVD player on board, that alone shifted so many units right. before the competition came. The Wii U, like, I'd say half the people they were aiming to sell it to didn't even understand what it was. They just thought it was a, another peripheral for the Wii. Right. People but, thought the Wii U was the gamepad. Yeah, yeah. I mean that and that all comes down to shoddy marketing. And I'm sorry, like I, I like Nintendo, I like a lot of their products, but the the Wii U launch was a disaster. They never really recovered from that. And it seems like they finally started to realise that and that's why they're heading into the next system. But you know, they saw what happened to Sega. I mean the Genesis slash Mega Drive was a huge success, but within two gens they were dead. And I don't want the same to happen to Nintendo, but I don't think they will die. They have so much money that they will go, they will go kicking and screaming. Well, I suppose the major difference with Nintendo is that not only do they have much more globally bankable IPs, but they've also got a successful handheld line. In a, to be fair to Nintendo, in a market which doesn't invite traditional handheld gaming, the 3DS has held its own pretty well against tablets yeah. and smartphones. And, I don't know, I'm just trying to be a little bit optimistic is that this is just 
like this is this will this year will be the worst and then it'll get better after that i feel like yeah. may, maybe they're just sort of like you know we're just gonna burn it all down and rebuild it we're not gonna waste any of our resources on any more of this wii u stuff we're going directly to the future yeah, I mean, the GameCube kind of went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, after Resident Evil 4, the GameCube was pretty much dead for 18 months before the Wii came out. So, you know, I can't really... I can't say it hasn't happened before. And then the Wii went on to be, like, the bis- biggest success they ever had. But, you know, the world's changed so much in the last 10 years. They really need to launch a system which appeals to a wide audience, not just the insular Nintendo fandom. Right. I mean, if you make, have a gimmick that makes it unique, but don't make a gimmick that's going to detract from core gamers. Yeah. Because as many, as many, as much as the Wii U sold well, like their software sales were terrible. Like you can't just make money off of selling consoles for a brief period of time. So it's it's a balancing act, I guess they have to do. I mean, personally, I mean, if I was in charge, I'd just be like, screw the gimmick, make a make a console that's more powerful than anything on the market, and get a bunch of third party contracts, hire some contractors to get a proper OS and network that can compete, and just go toe to toe again with the big boys. But I know Nintendo would never do that because it's not really their philosophy or whatever. But yeah, well, I'm so, but you know. If you're in, if you're in a more artistic industry, then it's fine to go by your own philosophy and integrity. But you know, when you're a business trying to compete with, you know, giants like Microsoft and Sony, you can't be the guy off doing his own thing. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you've got room for that in software. You know, you can release a game which is more, you know, appeals to a core audience and doesn't have as much widespread appeal. But you can't have your entire system be something that might not be inviting to everyone. And I don't know. I just think the Xbox One and the PS4 offer me so much that if it wasn't for like Tropical Freeze and Smash, I probably wouldn't even touch my Wii U anymore. Yeah. I still really want to pick up Mario Maker, too. There's definitely games for it that I really want, and that's why I keep buying Nintendo hardware. <laughs> and I probably will buy the NX unless it's, like... Unless the controller ends up being, like, Wii levels of bad, then I'll probably buy it regardless, but... Mario um, Maker's fun. There's just a couple of... Like, my major problem with Mario Maker, and this seems like such an obvious thing they should have included, right... You can't search for levels by game type. Like, you know, you can't search for just... Like, sometimes I'll be in the mood for, like, a Mario 3-style level. But you can't search by game type. You can only search by, like, popularity and difficulty and stuff. So, do you get what I mean? Like... you can't just have it only Mario 3 levels or only Mario World level. Yeah. So I get a bit bored on there sometimes just wading through like a bunch of like runners or music. You know, you've got these fancy stages, which they're they're amazing to look at, but they're not fun to play. Right. So Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons I haven't bought it yet is it looks, 
It looks fun, but a lot of the enjoyment I'm going to get out of it, I can also get out of it just watching the YouTube videos of people's creations online. <laughs> yeah. So, I, know, it, I do like Mario Maker. I mean, I'm glad I brought it digitally, because I can't imagine... If I had it on disc, I'd probably never touch it, but mm-hmm. when it's just sitting on my... Well, desktop, I suppose you could call it. You know, when it's just sitting on the home page, it's tempting to just click on it and just you know, stick it on for 30 minutes when I'm bored. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to wait on it to find out what the NX launch lineup is. I might pick it up. If it, if it ends up being an NX launch title as a remaster or something, I'll probably pick it up. Like, okay. I want, the, I want the NX to be good and be successful. Yeah. I want it. Yeah, I mean, I want, I mean, as people often say like if Nintendo became software only they might do a Sega and just focus on the one or two big names they've got and stuff like Metroid and Donkey Kong will never really get a chance yeah if 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 they went third party I don't think we'd see like a new Donkey Kong country ever again <laughs> they would probably just solely focus on Zelda and Mario maybe Metroid I think a Metroid actually has the most um, appeal as a franchise for like the Xbox and PS4. I don't, but it never really sells. Like Metro games traditionally don't sell. Yeah, but that's. I think it's also the platform. I think a lot of the people those have appealed to more have moved on to the Xbox and PS4. Possibly, but like even Super Metro didn't sell that much, really? and that's one of the most popular games of all time. Yeah. Initially on the I don't Super know, Nintendo. Just... Sorry. Just looking at like the style, I feel like it is a lot a lot of mainstream appeal if marketed right. Yeah, I, I guess. I think it's just hurt it for the platforms because people don't really go to those type of games for um, you know, the Wii or Nintendo. Yeah. I think when you look at Super Metroid, I think it, Metroid, I think it was Metroid. Metroid, I can't talk. I think it was a different time then and you know, the the type that type of game it was wasn't as popular back then because you see a ton of uh, Metroid style games that are really popular like the indie games on like the Xbox and PS4 like people seem to love that style but they don't buy it for Nintendo (laughs) so I I think there's potential there I don't know if if it would ever actually happen because I don't know if Nintendo has enough sort of knowledge of how to market to the West that they would ever attempt it or pull it off correctly but I don't know. As I said, I'd rather Nintendo be successful with their hardware and just be able to have like third-party games again and have a net have online that works. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit as much as this is kind of a joke. I'm a little bit optimistic by certain signs. Like I like the fact that they're moving away from the Wii branding and all this sort of weird branding they had during the two thousands. Yeah, you know the. I don't know if you've noticed. I think I talked about this a little, and obviously weren't there. But I think it's cool that all Nintendo's social media channels and their store displays—they're bringing back red as like their primary color. You know, they're getting rid of like the gray and white look for Nintendo, which I thought was stupid. I thought it made them look like they were trying to be Apple or something. Well, it kind of worked for the Wii, like for Mm -hmm. what it was, but. Yeah, I did miss the traditional strong red mm-hmm. they used. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the DS and Wii brands are probably going to be left behind from now on. And uh, 
I still think the NX is going to be a replacement for both their hard, like hardware. Yeah. Like sorry, console and handheld lines. Uh, I know it's been discussed to death, so I won't go on about it too much. But it just seems, in the day and age we're in, I think <clears throat> the NX will end up being what we thought the Wii U was initially going to be. You know, it will be a portable system which links to stronger hardware when you're at home. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some connection there because I don't think Nintendo's going to... I don't think there will ever be an official replacement for the 3DS. Mm. There will be one NX branding. There could be two different devices within that NX branding, maybe. Or one device you buy and get everything. Maybe there will be like a portable accessory. I don't know. I think there's, I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but I do agree with you that I don't think there's going to be anything beyond the NX. There will be an NX branding. There might be multiple devices, possibly, but it's still going to be the same software library, I think, and, you know, same user interface for both devices and all that. It'll be one sort of thing that they can focus on rather than trying to divide their attention between two platforms. Well, I mean... It, it, it's just we're just sort of waiting on that official announcement now aren't we on the official unveiling yeah. and then we'll kind of know which I really I think they should just get out of the way now I don't care if the system's not coming until next year like you said earlier if we could just see it yeah like we you're telling us to be excited about something we know nothing what it is it's like oh sorry about no games but don't worry the NX is coming well we don't even know if we'll like that yet <laughs> so it's just kind of frustrating and it feels like it also kind of feels like the only system they even care about anymore is like the 3DS, which is yeah. like so old at this point. I feel like they've just sort of like forgotten about the Wii U. Like, I don't know. But, whatever. You know, I'm not really super upset about it because I already have other, tons of other games I want to buy this year. Yeah. I just wish that their PR and communication wasn't so frustrating. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's going to be a rough few months. They are taking on a lot of criticism. Some of it deserved, some of it not so. But, uh, yeah. I'm sure as soon as the NX is shown, it will calm a lot of fears. Yeah, as long as it's nothing, like, ridiculous. The whole thing is control it with a DDR map pad. That's it, no controller. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting rid of controllers forever. We're just going to plug a vitality sensor into your brain and you control it with your heart rate. God, that's the stuff. Remember the vitality sensor. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> the weird things that they came up with. <laughs> like, what if they did something like that though? Like the whole NX turns out to be a big quality of life device. It's like Wii Fit extended or something. It's just balance boards and treadmills, and would that be terrible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on a sec. It's all right. My mate uh, Dwayne's just texted me. He's found a box and there's mint condition in this game store in Birmingham. Hmm. Uh, oh, it's a hundred quid. Oh, I can't pay that. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting the broadcast. Uh, I'm just gonna, how much are the SNES and Mega Drive? Sorry, I'm just this is really exciting. And it's kinda you know, it's video games it's related. Um, oh, okay. He sent me a picture of like a box Donkey Kong Country. It's twenty quid, but it didn't have the manual, so oh. uh, I used to have every retro system and then my ex threw them all in the trash. Oh, it's so sad. <sighs> it sucks. I, uh, you've got a couple of horror stories about 
stuff being lost through ex partners, haven't you, as well? Um, just just my three sixty. And that was kind of like I didn't like fight her on it. I'm just like whatever, take it. <laughs> I have a PS three, that's fine. Yeah, but PS three wasn't as good as three sixty. Although it did have a Blu ray player, so I had See, it. At that time, I, honestly, I liked the PS. I thought the PS three had a much better library of exclusives than the three sixty, apart from like the rare stuff, which I had already played at that point. Yeah. So like, I mean, after like two thousand eight, I felt like it was pretty much a dead console. <laughs> Whereas the PS three had like a lot of cool exclusives up until literally the PS four came out. I think the three sixty had like a lot of third party games looked better on the 360 yeah um, definitely and the 360 had a better controller and I think just in general the the games were uh, sorry the exclusives like Halo and stuff but um yeah I don't know it's all you know they're, they're pretty much the same system really just a few different exclusives so they're both very good Right, yeah, and I don't agree that, like, if I had both and I had a choice to get, you know, a game on one or the other, I'd rather have it on 360 because of the controller and uh, visuals. Yeah. But if I had to have a choice to only have one, I'd probably pick PS3 because of, I, I love, you know, I love the Uncharted games and Ratchet and Clank and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, do, do we want to sort of move on to the uh, next section of the main section? Sure. Next section. Um, retro Studios rumours. <laughs> well, not really rumours. This is pretty much confirmed, isn't it? Like, it's from a really reliable source. Is it Emily Rogers? It was Emily Rogers. She seems... I don't... Yeah, I mean, it's still not like a confirmation, but I guess she's been right about a bunch of things. So, I mean, some of the NX leaks came from her too, so we don't know if those are going to be true or not. So it's like, you know, I'm taking it a little bit with a grain of salt because a lot of the things she said hasn't has the opportunity to be proven false one way or the other yet, but I know she supposedly has a decent track record. That's all right, I thought you were about to say a decent rack then. I was like, what? What? No, I don't even know what she looks like. No, um, I don't either. <laughs> but I know what you're like. Okay. Actually, you're probably one of the most respectable, nice people on the internet. Everyone's a horrible human being on the internet. Except us. Except us. We're great people. Um, Just before we go into retro, I'm just going to wrap up. The the Mega Drive was 40 bucks, and the Super Nintendo was 40 bucks unboxed. So I've decided not to get any of that stuff today, but my retro hunt continues. (laughs) So... um, Right, yeah, Retro Studios. Okay, so basically the unconfirmed but probably true rumour is that they're not working on DK, they're not working on Metroid. It seems like they're working on a new IP and it's going to be for the NX and it will come out next year. Something like that, which makes sense because it's been how long since Tropical Freeze? That was like, wasn't that 2011 or 2012? What? No, it was 2014. Oh, really? Oh, it feels a long time ago. The Wii U didn't come out until the 2012. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Ignore me. Returns was December 2010. Okay, okay, you're right. And then Tropical Freeze was meant to be December 2013, but got delayed two months. And then, so yeah, it's been, as of now, it's been just over two years since Tropical Freeze. So it makes sense 
the average retro development cycle is three years, so it makes sense it will be next year the new game comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will probably be disappointed by them not doing Metroid or DK, but this is this is honestly kind of what I kind of wanted from them because I think it's their time to sort of do their banjo, like do their own IP for once. I think they're proving themselves working on Nintendo's IP. And it seems like this would be the perfect time to do something, you know, that the studio created themselves. Well, I think the frustration comes from the fact that, that it's a shame they haven't got the resources to just develop two games at once. Right. You know, kind of like a Naughty Dog situation where they finally spread their wings and did Uncharted 3 and uh, Last of Us at the same time by different teams. It would have been nice to get a DKC six I guess and um, a new IP sort of around the same time from retro right yeah I mean they gotta go some too maybe Nintendo should put more money into the western resources they do have Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like retro is just kind of like you hear about all these cool people you know starting there and working there and then just leaving like I know they've had some people with the Naughty Dogs and people who worked on Halo 4 I don't think any of them are there anymore (laughs) so like I know a lot of the retro guys are, um, or a lot of the Metroid retro guys are working on that uh, Recore game for Xbox now. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like whatever, however Nintendo's running the studio, it's not really making a lot of people want to stay as much. I don't know. I'm not trying to like saying they're running is a terrible place to work or anything. But I get well, the, no, but I get the it... feeling they're not putting enough money and resources into it to make people want to have that that on their career resume as much you know i think it's probably more that it's like you know do you want to have you know one sort of throwback donkey kong game on your resume every three years or work for a studio where you could probably have you know a really high triple a game every couple years on your resume yeah well, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I think Tropical Freeze is a AAA game. It's just unfortunately it hasn't got the widespread acclaim it deserves. It's kind of just. I think a lot of people wrote it off as just another platformer because it, it did come out in that era where we were really a breaking point for the saturation of two D platformers. Yeah, and I think I think it would be better for Retro if that you know if it wasn't just for like since two. However, when they started working on Donkey Kong, it's like that they've only been doing. 2D platformers for that amount of time and not have the resources to do anything else at the same time is kind of I, I imagine that might get a little bit tiresome as a developer because it's not really pushing things for you as much mm. as you know working on a really sort of big and complex project would mm. as opposed to if you had two teams you know it would be two projects simultaneously you could go back and forth to the different teams which I know I think Rare did that quite a bit with sending people back and forth if they got burnt out on a project yeah well uh, look at like uh, Chris Alcock he was on the uh, well he was at one point he was testing Donkey Country 2 for the GBA and then within a few months he was like one of the top guys on the cameo team mm-hmm. so yeah it does seem like they move people but and um, obviously Nick Makin a uh, alumni of this show he, uh, <laughs> now he's alumni of our show instead of rare <laughs> he said um, you know he told us how he was working on cameo and then about six months before launch he was thrown over onto the perfect dark zero team and then like he was 
sort of jumping all over the place with different concepts for the next few years. So yeah, they they move a lot of their guys around, and you know, I mean, that's probably actually not a bad thing unless unless you've got a real passion for one specific project. I yeah. guess it would be kind of annoying, but I mean. In terms of like creativity and variation in the workplace, it it actually might be a good thing. Like you know, just the Nick Makin example. Like one minute he's working on a fantasy adventure game, and then you know within a week he's working on a futuristic FPS. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably makes it a lot more interesting work environment. You know? Yeah, definitely. I say yeah. unless you are like a lead designer, then it would actually be maybe a bit of a kick in the teeth. Cause... Right, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the pros and cons. But my point is, give Retro more money so they can do more things. Yeah. <laughs> then they can do another Donkey Kong game, they can do another Metroid, and they can do an original IP, and then everyone will be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I just, I just, what I hope is that it's not, like, it's, if it's not Donkey Kong, and if it's not Metroid, is it just going to be some other bone that Nintendo threw them to work on? Like I'm like here now you're making Luigi's Mansion three or something like that. Yeah, that'd be. <laughs> like, I want them to do their own thing. That's what Nintendo needs the most. I think is original ideas, new IP. That's something that kind of just like stopped, especially after Rare left. Yeah. Is that we started just to see? Like I like the throwback games. A lot of them are really really good. But Nintendo's ability to actually produce new things is yeah, exactly like stopped. <laughs> you know, just I mean, as I sort of said a couple of weeks ago, like I finally got around to playing through The Last of Us, and that <coughs> that touched me in a way that a Nintendo game hasn't for a long time. Right. Like, I mean, Tropical Freeze is incredible, but um, it you know something like The Last of Us pushed so many boundaries and really took. You know, I, I think that the, the the difference that made on just storyline progression in gaming, it, it was. Uh, I know, you know I, it was a real I, benchmark title. I hold the last of up playing the last of us for the first time up there with like playing Mario sixty four or Donkey Kong Country for the first time. Because in the same way, when you get done playing those games, you feel like oh, gaming has fundamentally changed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the I, Last I, I of Us was the too. first game I've played in a long, long time that when I finished, I felt like gaming was different now. Like, this yeah. is going to be a benchmark for other people. Yeah. And we don't really see that very much anymore. I mean, we've seen it with, like, you know, Orgarina Time, Mario 64, Donkey Kong Country, things like that during the 90s, but it's hard. There's very few modern benchmark games in the last couple generations. Yeah, there's just been a lot of, like, great games but not mm-hmm. not really like you say benchmark game um i think even i mean one of my fondest memories of the last gen was like pushing like or putting like three or four hundred hours into skyrim and you know as amazing as that game is and i still think it is possibly the best bethesda game it's unfortunately it's like it's perfecting something which is already there Whereas Last of Us was kind of creating a whole new thing that hadn't really been done before, like fluid, fluid storyline depth integrated into a gameplay experience in a way that it kind of, like you say, it changes the game. And it, yeah, and it, I think it's just it was just 
people have tried to do things like that before. It's just never have really worked out. Because mm-hmm. it always would just start to feel really forced, and then you would just get bored with how controlled it was. It's I mean, I know, I know that's your that's your problem with uh, Heavy Rain. We discussed before. Like you said, you you liked Heavy Rain, but you didn't think it was a great game because it's more like a movie. Yeah, so I think there's a boundary you got to walk with that. And it's, I think one, one for The Last of Us, the story was better than the story in most future films, which definitely helped it. Yeah. And it, you don't get the feeling, despite all the cinematics and how linear you could say the plot is, you don't feel like you're not a part of it. You don't feel out of control. Yeah. Just because the levels are designed so well and there's always, there's a logical amount of freedom like, you know, you can't run everywhere at every ridiculous place, but you never feel like you can't go a place you're supposed to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't feel like you're being shoved along a linear path on a rail, like in a lot of uh, modern games. Yeah. And I think it actually, I think what sets it apart from Uncharted is because, like, a lot of time, in, as much as I like the Uncharted games, because Nate is so you know, super, almost supernaturally acrobatic. Um, it's there's some things which just, it just doesn't make sense that he can't just climb over certain things. Mm-hmm. And, and then like a lot of time, like to, to make a linear path, they'll just have like a huge chasm with like a really unbelievable way of getting across it. Like certain bricks sticking out of certain walls. Mm-hmm. And, and at points you do kind of roll your eyes and think, Oh, yeah, it's lucky that was there. Whereas, like, I think with The Last of <laughs> yeah, Us, because these char- the <laughs> the characters in The Last of Us feel more real because, like, you know, Joel is what in his fifties, and you know, he he's a strong guy, but he's not, you know, he's not like an Olympic gymnast like Nathan Drake is. <laughs> so, and and obviously Ellie, she's a bit more flexible, but she's at the end of the day, she's still a kid, so she's not that strong. So you you feel vulnerable playing as her, and I think the section where you play as Ellie, you, you actually, because your health drops and you don't have all the items you acquired as Joel, uh, you feel more kind of like you don't want to take as many risks and that feeds into the gameplay experience, mm. especially at that late point in the game. Uh, but in a way that's not annoying. It, 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 you know, you, it's just a different way of playing the same game. Yeah, yeah. I think I probably agree with that. I think <laughs> I do think that it looks like, uh, especially with Uncharted Four, from what I've seen, it looks like they're trying to get a little bit more of that grounded feel from The Last of Us. Into yeah. It. From what I've seen, it doesn't. I haven't seen quite as much of like things that really sort of make you shake your head. And it yeah. looks like the levels look a lot more open, so it almost looks like the level design from The Last of Us is kind of being merged into that a little bit, where it's like. I can approach this in several different ways rather than just like kill all enemies in this area then move on. Yeah, well I think the fact that the core team from the from the first two games mm-hmm. came back to the series after The Last of Us, that's gonna feed into the game a lot. And they've already said the stealth has been given a major overhaul, so it is gonna be more more along the same lines as The Last of Us where you don't have to I'd say like ninety percent of encounters in Uncharted, it's just cover shooter whereas it looks now like you're gonna have a lot more options available to you and you know you you actually described the last of us uh, a few weeks ago when i first finished it saying that what you really liked about it was how 
there's no set way of doing each section. You're kind of just given the tools and the knowledge and then you kind of just go at it in any right. way you, you see fit. I think that's what really adds to the replay value is <clears throat> like my, I played, I think I've beat it like three times now, maybe more. I can't remember. Yeah. But it, it, I usually will try something different the next time I play through and I'm then surprised that, Oh, I can approach the situation in an entirely different way and I don't get punished for it. Like just say like, just for example, the clickers, you know, you could try and stealthily sneak up behind and stab them in the head. Or you could, like, throw a Molotov cocktail, or you could, you know, batter them with a melee weapon. Uh, you, you know, you could even or take a risk them. and try <laughs> try pistol them in the face if you wanted to, but obviously that's more of a risk, because if they touch you, you're dead. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of options. But, um, yeah, again, we're kind of getting off track. So um, now the Last of Us podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard for me not to talk about Naughty Dog sometimes because they are, as I said, one of my top three developers of all time. They just don't exactly fall under the banner of our site, but that's all right. If you have a PlayStation console, yeah, if you have a PlayStation console, you should play their stuff. Definitely. Um, Well, (coughs) I guess to kind of bring the main feature full circle, we were talking about retro before, and Mm -hmm. um, to move on from that. I wanted to talk a bit about the future of Donkey Kong because right now it's looking a little bit uncertain. Um, I guess the people that we always assumed would take over the mantle were Monster Games because of their work on DKC 3D Returns and um, uh, Tropical Freeze. Like you know, they they helped they they sort of helped retro design Tropical Freeze. So. We always assumed Monster would probably take over when the time came, but Monster have said now they're actually working on a racing game, which, yeah, maybe it's Diddy Kong Racing 2. <laughs> but, I don't know, I am a little bit worried. Get ready I... for Jungle Climber 3. <clears throat> hey, Jungle Climber's alright. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I know it's probably not what people want to hear, but I think we're probably going to be in a Donkey Kong's going to be in a bit of a drought for a while. Probably just some weird games here and there. Just oh. given, especially given, if no one's developing one now, and given how long it's taken Nintendo to develop anything lately, I wouldn't expect to see one within the next five years. Well, but then again, I mean, don't forget, if you told someone in April 2010 oh, Retro Studios are going to be doing Duncan Country Returns. You, you know, they'd have laughed in your face. Yeah, that's so true. they could have given it to a studio that we just wouldn't expect. Because, I mean, like we were saying before, there's a bunch of these teams and we've just got no idea what they're working on. I mean, I doubt the Galaxy team would be working on a new DK. But uh, I think probably their priority is going to be on uh, Mario, Zelda... Maybe a home Pokemon game, but I think they're going to want to hit the really, really big franchises early on in the NXS career to try to get people to actually buy it this time, rather than making people wait as long as they did. Not saying that Donkey Kong isn't a big franchise, but I don't think for a lot of people, at least mainstream, are going to buy a console for it. Well, Donkey Kong traditionally has done well on a system with a pre-installed base. Like, right. 
DKC did phenomenally well later in the SNES life. DK64 did surprisingly well um, for the N64 when you consider, like, now the kind of backlash the game gets from a lot of circles. It, it sold a hell of a lot at the time. And uh, Returns was like, I guess, it, I think even Nintendo was surprised at just how well Returns did. I mean, it sold better than Zelda on the Wii. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Skyward Sword, I'm, I'm talking about, not Twilight Princess. Oh, okay. But that was a launch game, so it's a bit different. But yeah, Returns shifted like 8 or 9 million. It did really, really well. It was like the last big traditional, I'll say traditional Wii game. It was the last big traditional game on the Wii. Skyward Sword didn't sell half as much as they expected because of the timing, you know, it was released, like when the Wii was on its last legs. Uh, My dream scenario that will never happen is that after Ukulele comes out, Nintendo or Contract Platonic to make another one. Hey, you never know. You that never would, know. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility if you clearly ends up being, you know, a big hit and they get the resources. If they would agree to that. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine... See, the one thing I think Platonic wouldn't do would be if, if Microsoft offered them the Banjo license. I don't think they'd do that because they spent so much time now building a new universe with ukulele. Mm-hmm. I think they'd see Banjo as a step backwards. But Donkey Kong traditionally is so different, especially a side-scrolling Donkey Kong game. I think it's different enough that they would possibly consider it. I mean, mm-hmm. just for the money alone, I think you know a platonic developed DK game would do really good business. Right? No, you know, I would love that. That would be what I want to happen. I don't have zero evidence to support that, or if <laughs> even if if even if any of the parties involved would even want that. But that's what should happen. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, so I guess <clears throat> on the list of like potential candidates, I guess you've got Retro maybe have like a second secret team like Naughty Dog did, potentially. I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, Monster Games, you know, maybe their racing game is DK related. They've spent a lot of time with the DK franchise lately. so They've also but... done, did they also do Excite? trucks and it's like site franchise so it could uh, be something like that too yeah it could be um so uh platonic another possibility um I mean, maybe one of their core teams in japan but i just I, I can't imagine a japanese team getting the tone right i, I don't, don't want to think s- so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I think probably Nintendo at this point realizes that when Donkey Kong is successful is when a Western developer takes it. Like, yeah. the third Donkey Kong is the one that people like. Yeah. Like, Jungle Beat was okay. Like, I kind of like Jungle Beat for what it is, but it's not... It, again, I think it suffers from nuts and bolts syndrome <coughs> that came out at a time where traditional DK games were just nowhere to be seen, you know? Between, I know DK64 has its detractors, but it still has a lot of charm. So I'm going to count DK64, but between that and Returns, there was just nothing. It was just Conga, Jungle Beat, King of Swing, you know. 11 years without a proper Donkey Kong platformer, that was a long time. I don't think we'll be waiting that long again, but it could be a bit longer than we expected. Yeah, I think it depends too on the success of the NX. 
Like, yeah. if it ends up not selling that well, I think I think it's going to have less of a chance. And if it does become a big hit, then I think they'll probably have a lot more, uh, you know, room to push out sort of their... I feel bad calling it second tier, but probably, probably from, like, an IP-recognizable standpoint, it'd be, like, you know, Mario, Zelda, Pokemon, then, like, Donkey Kong, Metroid, and Star Fox. Yeah. So I feel like if they start doing poorly, they're probably going to focus more on, like, the very high-tier, most recognizable IP to try to get as many people to buy one as they can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um... As of right now, Nintendo's in such a weird place. I just, I don't know what to expect really. Like, yeah, I, I mean, going into E three, even like, if a Donkey game was unveiled, I wouldn't be surprised. But if if it wasn't unveiled, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like, but right now, it's just up in the air. I think it's fifty yeah. fifty. I don't, I don't expect to see one, but it could be happening. So you never know, but. My attitude for Nintendo lately has just been to expect absolutely nothing. Because that's kind of like what we actually get lately. Well, it's it's, taken them... By the time the new Zelda comes out, it'll be five and a half years after Skyward Sword. So if they can't even get a new game in one of their biggest franchises out for so long... Right. It seems like their development... As I said before, their development pipeline has gotten so terrible that, like... I don't even feel like there is probably a lot of secret games we don't know about because they're taking so long with what is announced. Yeah. It's like... Uh, at most, I should expect more information on the games I already know about and then probably get a bunch of shit I don't care about announced. Like, like Federation Force. <laughs> it's oh. like... I can't think of the last time that Nintendo really, like, sort of, like, well, I guess maybe with like some of the Smash Brothers announcements, they really like kind of fed excitement and hype through that. Yeah. But with actual game announcements, very rarely is there like like this big shock, like everyone's happy, like nothing like like you know like like how Sony did at their last E three conference. They really just like played on the hype. They give people everything that they wanted. Like, what's the last time Nintendo's ever really done something like that? Everyone just kind of like shakes their head now. They're they're like, oh, that might be alright. I'm sure that looks better than it is. You just have to play it first. And that's like every time we hear from like a Nintendo conference, that's like what people say to defend it. It's like they're so terrible at getting people hyped up about their stuff. Even when it is alright or good, like, they're so terrible at marking it and presenting it that no one even cares. Well, I guess, like, 2004 was a pretty good year, you know, when they had uh, the Twilight Princess unveiling was like massive. Right, yeah, that's true. Um, 2007 they showed Galaxy and uh, Prime 3 and like a bunch of DS stuff. Um, 2010 was pretty big at the time. They showed Returns other M when it still looked good. That's like true. GoldenEye Wii at the time. I was I was cautious, but it, the, the initial trailer kind of did get me a little bit hyped. Yeah, I, I do think that the presentation for 2010 was probably really good, but it's, I don't think they ended up delivering, you know, no. the other M and <laughs> GoldenEye. But it was very well put together, and you got the impression that, oh, look, we're listening. 
Except yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think now it's at the point where I tune out for half their directs. I mean, like the last couple of directs, the most excited I got was the virtual console stuff, and that's not a good sign. Yeah, it feels like that's usually the virtual console stuff is usually the only things we don't know about. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know, it's just like there's never a surprise. It's just like, here's games that you knew were coming. Here's some games that have been out in Japan for five years, but we're localizing <laughs> now. Which is fine. Like, a lot of those Japanese games I do enjoy, and, you know, I might eventually pick up for my 3DS, but it's like, you know, so you're trying to want us to get excited about something that you should have localized five years ago? <laughs> I mean, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's... See um, how that... Sorry? See, I wonder if they're going to do something, uh, just kind of off topic, but... I'm th- one of the things I think they might do this E3 to kind of uh, soften the blow is maybe a uh, Mother 3 virtual console announcement for the West. Oh, yeah, we th- yeah, I think that's come in. That's, like, heavily, heavily rumored. Apparently, yeah. like, a lot of sources of... It's really uh, Emily Rogers, I believe. Oh, so, yeah. I think I think that might happen this, this E3. And yeah. it'll actually be something that'll you know, make people maybe a little bit more positive. I think they have to do something this year to kind of bring back Goodwill and Mother 3 localization seems like one of the biggest things they could do to get people to hate them less for not releasing any new games. Oh, yeah. So I guess looking looking ahead, it's like I'm cautiously optimistic about their E3 show. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I, I just, I'm, like you were saying before, it's probably best to just expect nothing, and then if there is something, then it's a nice surprise. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact the Microsoft conference is going to be exhilar- <coughs> excuse me, exhilarating for me because, like, you know, we're going to see Sea of Thieves in depth, and um, Microsoft always announced something surprising right. as well. Yeah. Uh, we might get something Halo related because, you know, they were talking for a while about doing. Halo stuff annually, so we, you know maybe we'll get like a remastered version of Reach or something. Uh, Halo Wars Two, I think, is in the pipeline, so I think Ugh. we'll probably see that. I think that's probably the new Halo. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it'll, it'll be good. And Sony oh, can... usually has been putting on incredible shows lately on their E three, so I think both Microsoft and Sony are going to put on really good shows. Yeah, um, don't know about Nintendo. <laughs> I expect I expect lots of Zelda. We'll finally see title of the game we'll see what whatever this edition of zelda's sort of gimmick is we'll see new pokemon footage and then maybe mother three and a bunch of japanese games they're now localizing yeah (laughs) um uh, maybe a couple of their new mobile games that they're doing oh uh, yeah fire emblem and animal crossing which to be fair i'm not massively into either of those franchises but i think for mobile titles they uh yeah, I think it's a good fit. Yeah, I especially Fire Emblem, I think, would be great for mobile. Um, I actually, that, that's one of the few games I've actually been able to play well on a mobile device via an emulator. Yeah. And it would be even better to actually design a game from the ground up with that, as long as they don't like ruin it with like microtransactions. <laughs> I don't think they will. I think if they do, it'll just be like the coins that you build up, like in Mitomo. Right. So... I'm hoping they actually just let have it be per, a purchasable Fire Emblem game, like 
There's not enough games to actually buy for mobile. It's all so much free to pay stuff. That's just the name of the game, though, isn't it? You know, the yeah. Name. I mean, I think like even five years ago when I was still in uni, like my two was telling me at the time, like the next big thing is microtransactions. Get into that now, and you'll make so much money. Um, yeah, it's come true. Right. But, yeah. And kind of the same same with um I just forgot my train of thought. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, no, I was just gonna say like uh I, I I I get it, you know, from a business point of view. I get I get it. But for a traditional gamer like me, I just I miss the days like even on mobile games like early Angry Birds, like we've discussed a few times. Yeah. You know, it was like you get it for free with a few ads or you buy it for a dollar and there's no ads. I mean now the ad version it's so much worse than it used to be I was playing the original Angry Birds this week after every two levels a 30 second video commercial plays which is unskippable yeah I feel like the only game they can think of that's really big that's not free to play at your purchase is Minecraft yeah like like I can't think of any other game that people actually pay money for and have on their phone nah I no, you're right. <laughs> so, um, so you got any more thoughts on Nintendo or Donkey Kong, or are you pretty much done? Um, I think I'm pretty much done, and my voice is getting worse, so I don't. Yeah, you sound <laughs> disgusting. I know. This sound still sounds southern to you. Nah, you sound a bit more normal now. Okay, maybe I should just start doing the southern accent. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> what y'all doing? I'll come down to the ranch and shoot some tin cans. Hey, Mr. Southerner, I've got a question for you. <laughs> right. What when can are I you do doing? for you? <laughs> when are you doing your Masterpiece Theatre? Um, I don't know. It keeps getting delayed because now I'm sick and I don't want to record it now with this voice. Last week, I didn't do it because I got the kind of had weird recording issues with that one and I got caught up in that. So maybe next weekend. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's up to you. I mean, whatever, man. It's your thing. But I know. I wanted wondering. to do it. I wanted to do it way sooner because I wanted to do it before the. Con- Originally, I wanted to do it before the contents closed. So it's like, hey, this is what we did. Here's some inspiration. But I guess that's not going to happen. But well, maybe you can tie it into the winners being announced now. That's maybe. true. Because if one of ours wins, then I can work that into the script. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Well, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck um, to you, sir. Oh, thanks, man. Um, so I guess next week, if the winners are announced by next weekend, then I guess next week will be a play it first episode. But if not, then we'll push that back another week. Yeah, we can do. I don't know what we should do. We can talk about it off air, I guess. What we all do next week, if not. But... Yeah, I might. I might pick up Killer Instinct this week. Now I've been paid. Um, Xbox is all sorted and fixed. I might actually pick that up. Um, I guess like soon we should really get back to some more traditional episodes. Like we haven't actually talked about an old game in a long time. Right. I know it's been just kind of up in the air lately with hosting. But I mean, you should. You're probably going to be full time now. Pretty much. In the future. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling a lot better in myself. So. I'm not going to go into that on the air, but yeah, I'm pretty much back now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
we'll, we'll leave it a bit open for the next couple of weeks because of the Sea of Thieves stuff and also Platonic have kind of hinted they're going to drop something big anytime now oh I forgot but, about that yeah but like going forward I think before E3 hits because that will give us another bunch of news to talk about I think we should get one or two traditional episodes in like maybe uh, I don't know maybe just looking at my shelf like I don't know Star Fox or Time Splitters or something right Star Fox Adventures it's been a little while since I played through that yeah it's been a while I started it last year and I got distracted by Rare Replay so oh right I'm gonna call it an episode anyway yep seems seems a good time to end Danny <laughs> I'm gonna go drink a lot of water try not to die alright next week <laughs> uh, enjoy your water. I'll see you guys next week. Uh, you guys have a good week. Bye.